0: The swarm of goblins bears down upon you, intent on your demise. It's your turn, Tubi. All
1: right. I attack this one with my short sword. Then I use Flurry of Blows to smash them to smithereens.
0: <laughs> okay. You do eight points of damage. Unglar, it's your turn.
1: And then I do a hand chop and swoosh, Flurry of Blows. Knock them off their feet. Tuvi,
0: <laughs> um, Tubi, T- Tubi it's, it's, it's not your turn anymore.
1: But, but I know Kung Fu, so I re-attacked the swarm.
0: Do Do you even have any more key points left? Yeah!
1: Oh, Tubi, yeah, oh,
0: To you're done. No more flurries. No more hand chopping.
1: But, but I know kung fu. In this episode of Becoming DM, we're continuing our dealing with series, talking about dealing with monks. Hey everyone, this is John.
0: And this is Felicia.
1: And before we get started, we have a brief announcement to make. Uh, So Felicia is leaving the show. It makes us all sad. Uh, She's got two more episodes with us, including this one. But uh, Felicia, you want to say anything as you get ready to make your way out?
0: Moving on up, moving on up. Um... (laughs) No, you know it's honestly it's been really fun doing this um, the past couple of seasons or past couple of uh, seasons, you know, and I think you know doing this um, with you, John, is just, I've learned a whole lot, um, you know, about DMing and, and playing, and I've always had a really great time doing the show with you. But got other things coming up in life, unfortunately, that are going to be taking up a lot of my free time. Yeah. So, uh, yep. This is kind of my time, unfortunately, to, to move to move on for those things, but I will miss all of you, and I'm really, really, really sad to leave the show. So, um, But I hope for the best for becoming DM once I'm gone, and I'm going to keep listening.
1: Great. Well, and for those listeners at home, in case you didn't guess it from from what Felicia ended up with there, we are going to be continuing the show. I am currently in the process of looking for a new co-host that can hopefully at least stand close to where Felicia has been over these past uh, <laughs> year and a half or so. Um, if you are interested in, uh, in joining the show and want to give it a try... Then uh, go to becomingdm.com/host, and we'll have a page there that kind of lists some of the things that we're looking for uh, as far mm-hmm. as characteristics of a of a new potential co-host, and uh-huh. uh, and have a form that you can you can fill out. So if you if you want to want to put your hat in the ring or whatever the appropriate phrasing is there, uh, <laughs> check it out.
0: Good luck to everyone. <laughs>
1: yep. Uh, so now let's go ahead and, and get to the episode as as we mentioned in that intro uh, we are continuing our dealing with series and we're talking about monks and, mm-hmm. and for those of you who have not caught a previous episode of dealing with uh, we're really the goal is to talk about the class uh, understand kind of what their capabilities are understand what they can do and and talk about those uh, those classes and limitations and and good things about them and how to mm-hmm. challenge them and also integrate them into your game, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Very, very true.
1: So um, do you have experience with monks in your game?
0: Indeed, I do, John. Thanks for asking. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have a one of my players is a half-elf monk. Um, and so I've been able to have just a lot of good experience, you know, from the DMing side and seeing, um, you know, his his method of playing and the, the things he takes advantage of for his particular type of monk. I've never actually played one as my, you know, my characters have never been a monk. And I don't think that I've ever played in a group with monks. But like I said, um, I've got the DMing side of it covered, at least for one of my players.
1: Great. Um, so from my perspective, I have not actually had a player choose to be a monk in a game that I've run, uh, but mm-hmm. I have played in, in several games that have had them as players. So uh, your, your game as well as uh, the game that Malcolm runs both had uh, at mm-hmm. one point or another had monks in there. So very familiar with how players play them and how they can, can affect the, uh, the game out- outcomes themselves. But uh, never, had mm-hmm. one, never had anybody just decided they were going to be a monk in my game.
0: Yeah, I was actually kind of surprised. I'm not. I'm not saying that like monks are like the unpopular kids in school or anything like that, <laughs> but it doesn't seem to be. I, I guess in comparison to your other ones like spellcasters and fighters, it doesn't always seem to be the first choice for a lot of people. Yeah, um,
1: and I think that some of that maybe is when you look at them at uh, at lower levels and you look at uh, the things like the unarmed strikes, which we'll be talking about here in a little bit just looking at them at, at that very small window, it really looks like, mm-hmm. oh, they don't do that much damage. And, and mm-hmm. I really want to have somebody that like has damage output, has my D 12 battle ax or whatever. Ah, yeah. <laughs> um, I know someone like that. <laughs> um, but if you, if you do build it appropriately and, and play it the way it's kind of designed to be played, I, uh, you can really have a, a pretty big impact in, in a lot of different ways in the game. We'll get into that here in just a second.
0: For sure. Yeah. Um, and then I think the other thing, um, and we'll get a little bit on, on this later too, is it's a little more stringent on its alignment. And I think some people, if that's an important thing in your game, some people want that flexibility. And sometimes a monk doesn't really seem to provide that. So I think that's one reason also if that's a case, why some people don't um, always choose monks.
1: Yep. So let's but go ahead and, and get into that class overview. Um, so monks in general, whether you're talking about Pathfinder or or D and D again, we'll try to break these out as, as, uh, as there's differences between the classes. Uh, but really they're, they're really focused on using their bodies as weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so with that in mind, uh, they're going to focus on, on decks and then wisdom. Mm-hmm. And I, and I feel like in Pathfinder also strength in addition to that, because there's are some areas where for that unarmed strike, you're going to add your strength bonus to that. So, um, for sure there's a lot of that.
0: (laughs) There is a lot of that. Yeah. I think, you know, just because like the very nature of a monk, you know, when you think like martial artists, you know, or movies, you know, Jackie Chan, Jet Li, um, or if you've watched like it, man, like it is very much a dexterity kind of, of, of a, of a attack. And it's not to say that it's not strong. Mm -hmm. It's just the focus first tends to be on that dexterity first. Um, and then, you know, like you were saying wisdom afterwards. So I think some people, you know, just don't, have that that or they have that misunderstanding that like oh it's all dexterity that means like you know they kind of hit you like eh, and then it's like <laughs> not not any damage you know well so, and I, which is, is different
1: and i i think that having that that wisdom is one of the focus uh, ability scores kind of plays mm-hmm. into that because it's yes. not just about hitting them hard it's about hitting them in the right place smart be smarter so. not hard
0: yeah and i will say this like my my player who's a monk does a lot of damage Mm -hmm. like when he's playing i mean he just now got to fifth level i think um he does a lot a lot of damage when we do battles like he definitely holds his own i mean assuming he's rolling well that night because some nights i'm just like man what are you rolling (laughs) (laughs) ah but anyways
1: uh, so, uh, D8 hit dice, so they're not going to have like the mm-hmm. most hit points of anybody in the game, but it's, it's decently high. Um, yeah. and as you mentioned before, uh, there it's, it's a, it's a kind of a, in D&D mentioned as a recommended and in Pathfinder, I think I read it as, as almost a, like a required that they be a, yeah. a lawful alignment of some sort.
0: Mm-hmm. And, it's a very like disciplined class. hmm
1: yeah. And, and I think the lawful goes towards the, towards that discipline more than like mm-hmm. following the laws of the land necessary. And this is kind of one of those discussions about alignment that you could probably spend hours and hours doing about what it really means. But um, yeah, for sure, we're not going to do that today. <laughs> no,
0: no. I think, you know, if we were just to generally put it out there, you know, like you could have like your rogues, for example, you know, that, like it can be they can be unpredictable and i think just when it comes to monks you know even if it's not like the law of the land i think there's just there's a structure mm-hmm. there within their ideals and their followings so i think this just if you do decide to do that character that's just something to keep in mind that you're not going to be the one in the group that just decides to like go off and do random spontaneous things that could potentially sabotage the group like you know it's just that's just not in their nature yep so just keep that in mind if you decide to get a monk
1: yes yes So Mm -hmm. let's, let's dive into kind of some of the specifics we've been talking real high level stuff. Um, let's talk about some of the, the abilities and features that they get as they level on. Um, so Mm -hmm. again, just to, to remind the listeners, we are primarily covering, uh, levels one through five, just because once we, once you get to that point, we feel like you probably have an understanding of how the class works and can, you can read the book as well as we can, (laughs) maybe even better,
0: (laughs) maybe even better,
1: (laughs) um, so at level one they both get a a it's called different things in both books, but it's the net result is the same. Uh, in D and D it's called Unarmored Defense. Uh-huh. In Pathfinder it's called AC bonus. And basically it allows them to add their wisdom modifier to AC. Um um uh, in D&D, it, it's 10 plus your dex modifier plus your wisdom modifier. Yes. Yeah,
0: you get dex and wisdom both.
1: And, yeah. and with, with Pathfinder, it just adds the wisdom to the AC, which already includes your dex in there. So it's 10 plus dex mm. plus modifiers plus the wisdom bonus. So it's pretty much the same.
0: And I think the thing to keep in mind with the monks, um, and some people ask is like, oh, does that mean that they can't wear any armor? It's not necessarily the case. It's just considering it would, that...
1: It would be beneficial to not wear armor. Let's just... Yeah,
0: I mean, especially with the decks, it's just like you know, their whole thing is is quick, efficient movement, and armor to an extent can hinder that.
1: And and as we go through some of these skills, we'll actually find that some of them don't they they can't do if they're wearing armor. So again, just yeah, goes exactly. back to that: you can as will as long as you're willing to make some sacrifices. <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly. Um. So yeah, this whole class is really focused around martial arts, right? Mm -hmm. Like that kind of whole thing. Um, you know, you can wield weapons. Like we were saying unarmed combat is their biggest thing, but you can use what's called monk weapons. Um, which in the book here for at least for D and D is considered, um, examples are short swords and any simple melee weapon that doesn't utilize two handed or heavy type of properties. Mm -hmm. So yeah, of course you can use weapons to an extent. Um, so long as it doesn't have those particular um, characteristics that would detract from hand-to-hand combat.
1: Yep. And yep. yep, yep. And uh, in addition to that, they they, as you would expect, have that unarmed uh, attack capability. Mm-hmm. Um, where, if uh, at level one, with that martial arts skill, they can uh, they can, as their bonus action, use an unarmed strike in addition to that other uh, other attack. So. Yes. Not gonna do so massive get- damage with that at this point. It's gonna do a, a D4 in place of uh, normal unarmed attack damage. So it's a little bit better mm-hmm. than than, uh, than Joe Blow on the street hitting somebody, but it's not <laughs> <laughs> it's not like adding a fireball's worth of damage in there or anything like that. <laughs>
0: no, but it does help. You know, like you know, you get two opportunities to to do damage, and that's that's something beneficial even at you know level one. Hey, you get your attack, um, and then you can make an unarmed strike as a bonus action. So, you know, if you've got, like, a quarterstaff, then you can also uh, make an unarmed strike, you know, slap them or something. I don't know, whatever your monk's particular thing is. Um, slap. So it's slap, useful in that sense. Slap, <laughs> slap. <laughs> I thought slap you, sir. Um, but, yeah, so that's just something to keep in mind. Like, right off the bat, it's kind of a nice thing, you know, at least to have that extra opportunity.
1: And and I think that you had a name for this when, when, uh, when Jerry did the, the a- did attack I? and then an the unarmed strike, it was like the, the boop and shoot. Was that the what? Boop, it?
0: The boop and shoot or something. <laughs> Cause he had arrows or something like that and or like, boop. <laughs> yeah. Um, or the boop and slap. Cause you know, he would like frequently do a hand chop and he, I think he had a quarter staff as well. Mm. Um, so it was like, he booped them with the quarter staff and then he, you know, slapped them with the hand chop. I don't know. It just, it made sense. <laughs>
1: Um, so Pathfinder at first level, it comes with a, a number of different different skills. And one mm. of the things I found with comparing uh, the, the 5e rules versus Pathfinder 1e uh, is that a lot of the skills between them are very similar. It's a matter yeah. of when you get them and how you get them. So mm-hmm. uh, as we'll see here in a minute, um, Flurry of Blows, which is a skill you get in Pathfinder at level one, uh, where you can make an additional attack. um, um uh, and but you get all of your attacks at a negative one roll. Uh, you get a Flurry of Blows skill for D&D at level two with, with the key power. So and we'll talk about that here in a minute. So Flurry of Blows it's is a, one. It's
0: a key point.
1: Yeah. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all know you're going to miss that. <laughs> <laughs> and and it also gets an unarmed strike. So this is kind of in in replacement of that martial arts skill. It's unarmed strike. Uh-huh. Um, where you get that uh, improved unarmed strike as a bonus feat, you do more damage with it than the D and D. You do one d six at the first level, and it mm-hmm. does. I, I believe I recall it does increase by level. Uh, so yes, as you as you increase levels, that unarmed strike is going to do more damage for you.
0: Well, I think in uh, in D and D it starts at a is it a 1D4? Yeah, it one d four? Yeah, and then d it... six, one d eight, one d ten.
1: Yeah, At fifth level it moves to one d six. One d six. yeah and then uh it looks like in pathfinder it's uh fourth level moves to 1d8 and then mm-hmm. eighth level moves to 1d10 well, and well. continues to increase from there so huh. so yeah it it just uh different types of games so the the damage the damage uh calculations are going to be a little bit different so for
0: sure yeah uh, moving on. Key. Key 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 key.
1: Oh, one more one more Ooh. on Pathfinder for first level. Not moving on to key. key. <laughs> <laughs> uh, stunning fist. So, basically you get a bonus feat ah. uh for for the stunning fist bonus feat. And uh, it's a little bit different than the feat uh goes for normal players and that you get uh once per day per monk level uh and you mm. get bonuses every 4 levels as well. So, it gives you the chance to stun those opponents. Fun stuff like mm.
0: that. Yep. Gotcha. Which I think we have something similar um, in D and D, which we'll talk about later.
1: Yeah, um, all there's uh, like a the lot of there's a lot of cross uh, cross system stuff. Oh it's gosh. just a matter of when you get it.
0: <laughs> yeah, we were just trying to cross compare, and we're like, oh my gosh, it's like this is so much here to like cross navigate. It's funny.
1: Yep. All right. So now we're ready for um, key. So go on. <laughs> yes.
0: Yay. Okay. So um, you get it starting at second level. Um, and here it just specifically says, your training allows you to harness the mystic energy of key." Um, so mystic. you know this, I know, so mysterious. That's ruddy, mysterious. Um, okay, so your monk level determines the number of points that you have. So for example, uh, second level, two key points, third level, three key points, so forth, and so forth. you guys get the, uh, get the idea. Um, but you get to use them to utilize some fancy little features here such as Flurry of Blows, Patient Defense, and Step of the Wind, which reminds me of Pocahontas.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: And then, you know, you get to learn more of these features as you gain levels in the class. So um, the biggest thing to remember about key points, one of the key points about the key points, um, is that you need to have a short or long rest in order to um, essentially regain them. Um, And 30 minutes of that rest has to be spent meditating. So you really have to specify. I mean, granted, depending on your DMs, some are just like, it's fine if it's a long rest and we just assume you get those key points back. Or you may have other DMs that say, hey, like maybe your monk spent that one hour rest chatting up his dwarven buddy friend and didn't actually meditate. So you don't get those key points back. So it just depends on how you guys decide you want to utilize it. But just regardless, short or long rest. And in that rest has to be 30 minutes of meditating in order to regain
1: those key points. Yeah. So in, in kind of important thing to keep in mind uh, at second level. Keep in mind. <laughs> wow. I'm, oh, I'm, I could go all day. <laughs> I'm sorry to say that we're going to talk about key later in the episode too. Yeah, we are. <laughs> um, but at second level, uh, a monk can... Sp- by spending key points, um, uh, they can have basically three attacks there. They can have their main attack and then they can use key point for their bonus action to do flurry of blows and make two on arm strikes.
0: Exactly. So at this point, second level, you have the potential. If you use your key points to have three attacks, we're trying to keep better track of this this time (laughs) (laughs) because I did such a disservice last time. I apologize. We're doing better this time.
1: Yeah. So um, as you said, make sure those players are tracking the key points, and that uh, that uh, if they seem like they're using a lot, uh, just say, "Hey, you, you still got key points left? You've been tracking those." <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Right. Exactly. And that's the biggest thing that I had to learn. Um, and and it shouldn't be an, a completely unfamiliar process for a DM because if you have spellcasters, for example, in your group. They're gonna have to keep track of their spell slots, right? You only get so many that you can use, you get so many in a day, you have to have X amount of, you know, length of rest in order to regain them. Very similarly, monks have key points. You only get so many per level before you use them all. Um, so just make sure that your players are keeping track of them, or if you decide you wanna keep track of them, just make sure they're accounted for. Uh, and then make sure that, like, if they're to be regained, that there is a, a long rest or short rest meditatively. Um, utilize to get them back. Otherwise, I, I think the habit tends to be that a lot of times they'll try to use, you know, flurry of blows this time and the next time and the next time and not realizing that, oh, oops, you got to use all of your key points, Mr. Second Level Monk. You have none left. So you can't do that extra little flourish there for your attack. So just, just kind of keep that in mind.
1: But I know Kung Fu. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but, but, yeah, no, no, bad monk, bad.
1: Um, so moving uh, on kind of the next thing that in d and d that they get at second level is unarmored movement. So we mentioned yes. earlier before about about monks wearing armor. This is one of those skills that if you wear armor, you don't get the benefit of so um
0: yes they're and, they're light on their feet,
1: yeah, so if you're not wearing armor and you have this, basically your speed increases by ten feet, which uh mm-hmm. can make them move faster than the rest of the party and make them move faster than their enemies. Kind of makes an interesting uh, addition there.
0: Yeah, exactly. Oh, by the way, before we move any further, I, I feel like we mentioned Flurry of Blows, but I didn't really specify what Patient Defense or Step of the Wind actually was. If you don't mind, just take a moment to yeah, like, go ahead. talk about that. Okay, so each one, Flurry of Blows, Patient Defense, and Step of the Winds, each utilize one key point. Um, so I already talked about Flurry of Blows, and, and you did as well, where it's, you get two unarmed... Specifically, unarmed strikes as a bonus action. So not two strikes with a weapon, but two unarmed strikes as your bonus action. Patient defense is you get to take a dodge action as a bonus action. So you get to use one of your key points to dodge out of the way. Um, Step of the win is an opportunity to disengage or dash as a bonus action. Um, And then your jump distance is doubled. For that turn so you get to go really far without suffering the consequences of you know an enemy lashing out if you decide to disengage now yeah. we're moving on
1: <laughs> yeah but but also make sure just like with the the roguish cunning action um it's mm. disengage or dash it's not both yeah so. it's not both <laughs> yeah it's, it's
0: and it's or not and <laughs> yep. um but yeah just uh to keep in mind for that so um, just little extra fun things, I don't know. I feel like um my my monk, in particular, <laughs> who is actually named Tubi, um does almost always go with the flurry of blows, mm-hmm. so okay. it's not saying that patient defense and step of the wind like isn't cool, I guess, but um, it just seems like flurry of blows seems to always be the more appealing of the options,
1: yeah i mean it it depends on how you play your character if you're really mm-hmm. more focused on doing that damage output rather than kind of feints and taps that you then run away from, then you're going to mm-hmm. use Flurry of Blows first, so.
0: Mm-hmm, yeah. He likes, his, he likes booping and <laughs> slapping. So you get the boop and little extra slaps in there. Yep. <laughs> All right, I've said my piece
1: all right so moving on uh pathfinder at level two uh the monk gets evasion so Ooh. what this does is if they have to make a, a reflex throw against an attack that allows them if they are successful uh, allows them to take half damage so think think like uh, burning hands fireball mm. uh, mm-hmm. a lot of those uh, area of effect spells um, so evasion allows uh, him to basically take no damage if he successfully evades uh, rolls a success on that saving throw
0: and we get this at 7th level, yeah, uh, ladies and, and gentlemen. And it takes a little longer for us.
1: Yeah, and in, in D&D, at 7th level, I feel like it's a little bit more powerful in that uh, if you fail your saving throw, uh, you still only take half damage, where with yeah. Pathfinder, it's it's uh, if you succeed, you take none. If you don't, then it's all bets are off.
0: You don't get anything. Yeah, you just like trip over your own feet. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so um, let's see. I guess we're moving up to level three then, huh? Indeed. Okay. Well, moving on. Uh, Monastic tradition. Monastic? Monastic? Um, I say monastic, but... Monastic. (laughs) (laughs) So um, you get to choose um, a certain monkey path that you want to um, follow. So you have way of the open hand, way of shadow, and way of the four elements. And just really briefly, um, way of the hand is like the most martial-y, arty of the martial arts um, you know that's their that's their speciality is just really really slapping people. They just <laughs> slap like like you wouldn't believe. Um, well, monks, the thing uh, that
1: the thing that I like about way of the open hand in the D anD D rulebook is they learn the techniques to push and trip their opponents. <laughs> <It's>
0: like, <laughs> <ha-ha>. oh, <yeah. laughs> I know they're like the ultimate bullies in like the like the recess play yard or whatever. <laughs> I'd be like, he'd make a good monk. Um, <laughs> so monks of the way of shadow are all about stealth and sneakiness and, and, you know, that whole like, oh, we'll follow the shadows and no one will know we're coming. Right. That's your way of shadow. Yep. Um, which to me kind of reminds me a bit of like the rogue. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it's got that very similar vibe, I feel. I feel, um, I
1: feel like the way of the shadow is kind of way, the way of making your monk more like a ninja. Um, just because they Makes they sense. can make sense do shadow step and cast darkness and all that stuff, so yeah, it, I feel like it plays into that kind of character build if you're looking for that ninja, so to speak.
0: For sure, yeah. Um, which totally reminds me of like, um, what was it like Shredder from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and like the Foot Clan? <laughs> That's what that reminds me of. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So then, the Way of the Four Elements, which you know, if you're Like, really feeling that, like, whole, like, martial arts or, like, you know, kind of vibe. But you want to have a little bit of, like, spell casting in there. Way of the Four Elements is probably for you. It just reminds me of Avatar, really. Um, Air bending and fire bending and all that kind of stuff. But Mm -hmm. essentially, um, you focus your key and it allows you to utilize the natural elements. Um, So you get to cast elemental spells is the short and sweet of it. Um, and some are available to you at lower levels and others you have to be like cray cray high level like there's one here breath of winter you have to be at 17th level Yep. Um, so each one um, I've found um, requires a certain amount of key points it starts at 5th level um, and looks like 3 key points for a spell from 5th to 8th level so it it definitely takes it it takes it out of you
1: yeah, so you're not going to be just slinging spells as your as your primary thing. Uh, yeah. Especially if no, you're going to no, use no. those key points for other monk abilities.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so that's kind of like the, um, I think for me, like, was a bit of a discrepancy. Of my, my particular monk chose the way of the hand, I believe. Um, so I didn't really get much experience with the other two there. So I hadn't really delved much into the nitty-gritty of, of like, the elemental spell aspect of it. But... Um, It seems like the Way of Shadow and the Way of the Open Hand seem to be more immediately accessible to the monks, where it looks like the four elements here, um, even though it's like you choose this tradition at third level, uh, it seems like, I don't know, once you reach fifth level, you can spend additional ki to increase the level of of, uh, discipline spell that you cast. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, just kind of looking. I'm looking at the book right now, but just trying to, like... I don't delve into that. Um it just seems to get pretty nitty gritty in there, so it kinda makes me glad that mine chose the way of the I was <laughs> looking i'm like, oof, that's too much to keep track of. I'm I'm fortunate my monk has been playing D D for a very, very long time. He's a very self sufficient monk. Um so I don't have to do too much oversight for him, which is fortunate for me. Um because I feel like I would lose track if he had gone the spellcasting way.
1: Yeah, and, and bear in mind that that even though there's there's things that require a lot of key points and higher levels, there are spells that you get at that at that third level. Um, For sure, like ca- being able to cast gust of wind and
0: the colors um, of the wind,
1: <laughs> burning hands, uh, water whip, stuff like that. So there mm-hmm. there are <laughs> some there are yeah there are some that you're you're able to do just off the bat, uh, but some of the like maybe what you might consider cooler, like cone of cold. Ha ha. Uh,
0: oh <laughs> um, my God. See, I turned it around
1: <laughs> on you. <laughs> that
0: <laughs> um, you did. That you did.
1: But some of those are going to be higher level, uh, abilities that you get, uh, further along in the, in the monk path.
0: Yeah. Um, so yeah, but I mean, either way at third level, you can choose one of those three, um, and you can use them, um, depending on just however many key points you have available to you. So, just something, or, well, for the spells anyways, um, mm-hmm. for those spells, just make sure you keep that in mind. Um, I think the Way of the Shadow, um, you have Shadow Arts and is the one that you can use right off the bat. And it takes two key points um, yep. to cast Darkness, Dark Vision, Pass Without a Trace, or Silence. Um, so that one's also immediately accessible to you. And you also get a
1: cantrip out of it. You get Minor Illusion as well.
0: Yes, yes. If you didn't already have that, then yes, you get the Minor Illusion cantrip, which everyone knows, um, unlike spell slots, cantrips are something that you can utilize over and over. So um, that's good. And then for the um, Way of the Open Hand, the one skill that's immediately available to you is the Open Hand technique, which still comes across to me like slapping. (laughs) Um, But you must impose one of the following effects on the target: they have to succeed on a deck saving throw, or they'll be prone, um, or it has to make a Strength saving throw or saving throw, um, or it can't take reactions until your next turn. So um, one of those you can choose. You just have to specify when you do it. So
1: well, on the on the Strength saving throw, if they fail that, you can push them 15 feet away too. Yeah,
0: like so. ah, uh, get away. Yes. So there you go. Cool.
1: Uh, so the next thing in D&D that you get at third level, and this is one that when I was looking through the Pathfinder uh, rule set, I didn't see and I was a little bit disappointed because it's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, uh, You're like, what? Yeah, it's deflect missiles. And it basically, uh, as a reaction, uh, a monk can basically try to deflect a, like an arrow being thrown or a, mm-hmm. slings, a sling stone or something like that that's being launched at them. Uh, but... It reduces the damage of that missile by one D10 plus their monk level, and if they reduce it to zero, they can actually catch that that missile and throw it back at the at the at the person to try and do damage to them. Um, Seems pretty cool. All, all part of the same reaction, so they don't have to spend another action to do that or anything like that. If if they've done the reaction to deflect, they can catch it and throw it back,
0: which I think is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, that's like one of the one of the I know kung fu things like.
0: we should have done that (laughs) that would have been so cool yeah and i don't i'm thinking it like uh i don't think because mine um like i said my monk he he's at i believe fifth level right now but i don't know that he's actually ever taken advantage of that yet Mm -hmm. um but to be fair i don't know that i've actually used any enemies
1: you need to start throwing it. a bunch of archers at him. <laughs> okay, I guess we'll have to start
0: trying now. Tubi, remember, watch out. <laughs> all right, and then um, I guess that's really all we had for deflecting missiles.
1: Yeah, yeah. Do you like killing skeletons? Or maybe you prefer to take down pirates on their own ship. Perhaps You prefer hunting down all the guards at the Abbey. Why limit yourself? Do it all! With Darkwind, there's a wide variety of monsters and enemies you can choose to do battle with. That's right, the sponsor for this episode is Darkwind, the online text-based role-playing game that's free to play. You can create your character now by going to play.darkwind.org. Log in now and find that enemy you've been looking for. Don't forget, if you think you might be a good fit for our co-host position, go to becomingdm.com slash host to see what we're looking for and apply. Don't think you're a fit, but know somebody that is? Pass the address on to them. We're moving pretty fast on this, so apply today. Now let's get back to the show. So when you move to Pathfinder at third level, uh, they have a, a few skills that they get as well. The first one being fast movement. Um, so this is very similar to what we what we uh, with uh, with D and D at level two with unarm, unarmored movement. Uh, we add add a ten foot movement range to the monk's movement. So mm-hmm. um, kind of same results, different name, different level. Uh, and and again, like the like the. Uh, like the D&D, where uh, additional levels get you additional uh, additional movement, uh, does that mm. within Pathfinder as well.
0: Mm. So e- exciting. Yep. Yeah. You lucky person, you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sorry, but just like deflecting missiles just seems cooler. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, well, you never know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, and then maneuver training, uh, they can use again. This is Pathfinder. They can use their monk level instead of a base attack bonus for their combat maneuver bonus. Um, I'll be honest, I don't use the combat maneuver combat m- m- maneuver b- bonus and defense uh, a whole mm-hmm. lot in my game. Uh, but if if you do, then that would be a, a benefit for 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 that monk.
0: Yeah. Um, I guess that's is that everything we have for third level, I think. Nope, one more. <laughs> oh, we got one more, folks. Yeah, like I said, oh, you, right, you keep we on do, getting
1: do, skills. Yeah. Uh, uh, again, <laughs> Pathfinder, they get still mine, so they get uh, plus two bonus on saving throws versus uh, versus enchantment ah, spells. So.
0: Ah, okay, okay. Very interesting.
1: All right, now we're ready for fourth level. Now we're ready for fourth <laughs>
0: level, okay. Um, so beginning of fourth level, you get, f- well slow fall like slow-mo but i feel like matrix kind of you know like neo when he was like bending backwards like to like avoid (laughs) the bullets but um but essentially you get to use a reaction um to reduce falling damage um you take by an amount equal to five times your monk level so um you know if you're what level five that'd be what 25 i guess yeah yeah Um, so you reduce any falling damage by an amount equal to five times your monk level so that's what you can reduce it by
1: yeah, that's in D and D in Pathfinder. It basically reduces the distance of the fall by twenty feet. So uh, um, it has the effect of reducing damage as well. But uh, but yeah,
0: gotcha. Which is a I, I'm trying to like think off the top of my head. I don't know that my monk has utilized that either. There have been some homebrews and, and a couple of circumstances where there might have been the potential for him to fall, but I don't think that he's ever been in that circumstance yet. So.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like mm. some of the skills that, that we have here are are fairly use case specific. So yeah. if you don't regularly find yourself falling, you may forget that you have the slow fall. So I, I feel like as a DM, I would probably uh, take a moment to remind them, hey, you remember you got this, uh, if they found themselves in that situation. Just because it's hard to remember everything your character can do, especially if they don't do it all the time.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And I... Just being the, the somewhat casual DM that I am, I, I definitely am not going to keep track of all that. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm the worst. Sorry. <laughs> um, see, do we have anything else at fourth level? Uh, it seems kind of like a pseudo level, you know, like when the iPhone does like half level releases, and it's not really like a full new release, anything new.
1: Well, so with D and D, this is where you get your ability score in just, uh, increase true, or true. or additional feats. So that's why it only has still or uh, slow fall for that. Uh, with with mm-hmm, Pathfinder, mm-hmm. in addition to slow fall, they get key pool. So um, again, similar to similar to D and D on uh, on I guess that was second level where they added key. Um, you get key points equal to half your monk level plus your wisdom modifier and uh and what you can do with that it's similar Uh, you can add attacks to your flurry of blows um Mm -hmm. so you already have flurry of blows that you can use you can add additional attacks to that Um, you can increase your movement temporarily so um in addition to that uh that uh fast movement that you had before you can add even more uh to that or you can add mm-hmm. plus four to your uh, AC for dodge uh, for for a round. So.
0: Okay. See so a little little extra boost there.
1: Yeah. And all of these, much like in d d they all do cost key points to, to activate. Yes. Um, so, again, keeping track of those key points, making sure that uh, you're not just using that skill over and over again because you have it on your character sheet.
0: You have to keep track of it.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Ooh, keeping track. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Um moving on, fifth level. <laughs> um, okay, so for D and D, um, I think one of the biggest noticeable um things you get is the extra attack at fifth level. So mm-hmm. beginning at fifth level, you can attack twice instead of once whenever you take the attack on your or the attack.
1: <laughs> at- I think that's yeah, how we need to extra, say it for like, now. The attack. Really <laughs> um
0: Whenever you take the attack action on your turn. So, meaning that if, let's say, you do an attack, you get to attack twice, right? Um, as I like to say, the boop and slap for my 2B character. Um, and then if you decide to use your bonus action, let's say, theoretically, Flurry of Blows, which allows you to do two more unarmored strikes, that means theoretically you could attack up to four times on your turn.
1: And if, if you're you not, to use a key point. And if you're not using the key point, you can still use that martial arts skill to do an unarmored, unarmored, uh, unarmed attack um, <laughs> with your bonus action. So you could still do three as long as yes. you're using your bonus action for that unarmed attack.
0: Yep. So three to four, just depending on what you're willing to spend. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then you also get uh, what's called stunning strike. So you get to interfere with the flow of key in an opponent's body. So when you hit another creature... Um, with a melee weapon attack, you get to spend one of your key points, um, and they have to succeed on a constitution saving throw, or they're going to be stunned until the end of your next turn. So not theirs, but yours.
1: Yeah. So this is very similar to stunning fist that we talked about earlier for Pathfinder. Uh, Mm -hmm. the difference being that, uh, that it requires key points where, uh, with stunning fist, you get a certain number of those per day based upon your monk level.
0: Well, I think one of the other things because yours is called Stunning Fist and mine's called Stunning Strike, and it specifically says when you hit with a melee weapon attack. Mm,
1: there you go. Yeah. So, so that, that is so that, one that, thing is that I noticed. Yep.
0: Yeah. Um, so just something else to keep in mind. I'm like so paranoid now about the nuances of all this. I'm, like, hold <laughs> on, let me keep track. I take the square root of pi, divide by twelve. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So that's that's. I think that's pretty much D and D at fifth level. What about you?
1: Yeah, I, I got a take a break here because i gotta mention that that when i first read stunning fist i did i was not thinking of the action of stunning someone i was thinking like (laughs) wow that's a stunning fist
0: how did you you
1: bedazzle that or something
0: i'm so stunned (laughs) right now yes that's what it is it's you bedazzle your opponents they're like man i'm I'm so admiring right now of your fists (laughs) that's what it is Yep. yep
1: (laughs) <laughs> um, so, uh, with Pathfinder, we've got two things that we add at level five, uh, first being high jump. Uh, so what you do is your, you add your monk level to your acrobatics check for all jumps. If you, uh, mm-hmm. for any of the jumps. And then if you wanted to spend a key point, you can add plus 20 to your ac- acrobatic checks for one round. So if mm. you really need to make it up that cliff, you really need to, to do some stunning acrobatic feat, uh, spend that key point and turn it around.
0: Mm. Okay, okay. And, uh, get around, get around, I get
1: around. <laughs> and additionally, uh, uh, they get purity of body, which gains them immunity to all diseases. Uh, now, this is something that in D&D you can get at level 10. Uh, so just a, a level difference there, but it's it's uh, uh, mechanically pretty much the same thing there.
0: Yeah. Um. Whew. So I think we kind of covered all of the... Level one specifics. through five. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that
0: took a while. Yeah, um, but yeah. So that that's just the main things, the key things to uh, keep in mind for your monk um, before you decide to start playing. So I guess we're moving on to the next part about how to how to integrate monks into your story.
1: Yeah, and and I think that that we start off with um, actually bringing in storylines that can involve the monk. And I think Mm -hmm. from my perspective, it all revolves around that monastery concept because um, typically monks are going to have been trained in a monastery and left for whatever reason. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so having having that monastery still be out there is a great way to to pull in the character and their backstory and and be able to kind of build out a a storyline that's that's really kind of specifically related to them.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and some examples that it gives here, you know, if you want that backstory is like their parents died, they were starving um, and there's no way to support them or as a return for some kindness that the monks had performed for that family. And it kind of gives me very much of like a witcher vibe mm-hmm. because like frequently, you know, in the witcher, that's frequently how they become witchers is like a lot of times, um, you know, there are these uh, orphaned, abandoned children, but most often not like it's a child that's given to them in return for a favor. Um, and which is kind of how Geralt came, uh, about. So yeah. Or Ciri rather, Ciri, his Ciri, because he didn't know that he got her as a favor until she was like a kid. Yep. Going too much into that lore. Anyways, The point is, (laughs) um, is, you know, you can create these, these, um, backstories, but all of them, yeah, kind of uh, revolve around them being given to the monastery for one reason or another.
1: Yeah, and, and the player's typically going to come up with that backstory, but you can leverage that um, as as potential story hooks. So, uh, for instance, mm-hmm. having monks that travel from that monastery uh, where where the player originated at, and they can they can run into uh, the monk player and, and kind of have that conversation mm-hmm. to p- provide them with, with potential story hooks, whatever sure. they may be. It just could be like hey, we're sharing knowledge because we're all part of the same monastery kind of thing.
0: Right. Hey, you went to the frat house I went to. What? <laughs> um, you know, another po- like a possible story hook that you've mentioned was that there was like a corruption in the monastery. So like mm-hmm. they were seeking help to try and resolve that. Um, that's a good hook, I think, because I don't think I've ever done a homebrew that revolved actually in or around a monastery itself.
1: Yeah, I like the idea of kind of... Having something that pulls them back to the monastery, and it could be corruption. It could be maybe it's under threat by by this group that the that while the the monastery has been trying to hold their own, they they don't feel like they can hold much longer. So, just giving them a reason to, to quote unquote go back home, I think is is a great way to to mm-hmm. integrate them in.
0: And it's an, it's really an option for a lot of things. I mean, corruption is one thing. I mean, it could be one of those where it's like oh like it could be like a demon or a vampire or something like that has like taken hold of the monastery and like you have to fight it off, you know, yep. Uh, that can come in like many different forms. And it seems like it would make a good like horror kind of um, campaign to run. That seems like it would be fun. Yep.
1: Tie in some, uh, some Diablo storylines in there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: there we go. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah. So,
1: yeah. So uh, another way to kind of tie in that storyline is, is, this kind of relies upon the player to build out a little bit of their backstory about why they Mm -hmm. left the monastery so if they have some sort of goal having having little bits and pieces throughout your campaign that that can tie into that goal will keep them invested and keep their their story very very tightly integrated with the story of the campaign
0: Mm -hmm. yeah um let's see so when you know the other uh, thing you mentioned when it comes to like um, integrating monks is uh, combat scenarios where mobility is a major asset.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they have the ability to to move around more, and with with Pathfinder yeah. they can spend key points to move around even more than that. Uh, if you have that large, large battlefield with enemies spread out and uh, maybe taking ranged attacks or doing hit and runs, it kind of gives the monk the ability to shine just because they can move so much around that battlefield.
0: When I think, too, when I think combat scenarios, it's like, what if there was, like, competing factions, like monasteries, at, you know, at war with each other or something mm-hmm. like that? You know, you were talking about that ninja vibe before. Yep. I was like, oh, man, like, what if these two, like, ninja factions were, like, at war with each other and one was going to try and sneak in and attack the other one or, you know, there's, like, those... You know, almost like guerrilla warfare, kind of scenarios where I think um, a monk, especially one that was way of the shadow, would really shine. Mm-hmm. Um, which seems kind of like a conflict to the name, shining in shadows. But,
1: <laughs>
0: um, but you know, you know what I mean, right? Like you get what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, um, and and it also kind of gives you the opportunity to uh, challenge the monk in, uh, in a way mm-hmm. that we've mentioned on our previous. Uh, previous dealing with episodes is is build out a monk that is kind of like their mirror that that they kind of have Ooh, the yeah. same sort of skill sets that they can fight each other with.
0: Negamonk, <laughs> yes, uh, that would be pretty cool. Yep. Um, they were twin brothers. It kind of reminds me in a way, sort of of like Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. You know, with uh, uh, what is it, Scorpion and uh, oh, Sub Zero? And... Thank you. Yes, that whole <laughs> that whole storyline. You see, you get it. Um that's you know I know it's like we're getting more into like ninja ninjas not necessarily like the whole monk thing but I think it could it could work still. Yep. So fun fun little campaign ideas for those of you that are maybe considering doing something like that.
1: Yeah. So another way to kind of give them the opportunity to, sh- to, to kind of shine uh, in your campaign is get them into situations, get the party into situations where they just can't wear armor. Uh, I'm thinking mm-hmm. like maybe they were invited to a formal dinner party at some noble's yeah. estate. And, and during that dinner it comes under attack, but I mean, you're obviously probably not going to wear armor to that dinner. And if you're going to take <laughs> the will time, they? if you're going to take the time to change into that battle is probably going to be over by the time you're in the armor. So Uh, Mm Um, by, by leveraging their unarmored defense, uh, they can really provide that valuable, uh, piece of combat where, where they can kind of take the blows and hopefully not take as much damage.
0: For sure. Yeah. Um, I think those would, and and that allows you, I think situations like that, um, are really good, I think for accommodating a range because, you know, if you have that like kind of in like palace intrigue one, right. Mm Mm-hmm where, like, people show up and they don't have armor, it also allows you to, you know, offer the opportunities to, like, other characters, like your rogues and, um, you know, your bards. Like, it's that type of um, scenario for me is one of the most versatile ones that you can offer for your characters because it allows you the opportunity to provide opportunities for kind of each of those classes, including your monk. Yep. So, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I think, was it, we're moving on to the challenging monks section, or did you have any more f- to say uh, about this? Uh...
1: W- one more way to kind of highlight and integrate that monk is um, is to make use of those ranged non-magical attacks. Ah,
0: yes, 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 that's Archers
1: true. and people slinging stones and stuff like that to really, uh, at least from the D&D side, uh, allow mm-hmm. them to use that deflect missile skill. Um,
0: yes, it's like the best so. thing ever. I mean, even like... A here when it was talking about like the introduction to the monk it literally like the introduction talks about like deflecting incoming hail of arrows while throwing herself into the ranks of hobgoblins like it's just like it's like the first thing it mentions so it's like those types of scenarios yeah totally allows your monk to shine um and a fun little opportunity because i don't know that like other classes that don't really know much about monks even really know about that particular skill so it seems like it'd be a really cool way to like sort of i don't know humble brag about it (laughs) Ah, so yeah okay yeah that's really great um so i guess then now we're on to challenging our monks how do you challenge your monk
1: yep go right ahead so (laughs) thank
0: you thank you very much so i think this goes without saying but i'll do it anyways that you know any class really is just you need to provide a situation that um kind of forces them to utilize those particular resources that are unique to them so you know for example in spellcasters, like spell slots right like something that forces them to utilize what resources they have right so then they have to be smarter about what they utilize Mm -hmm. because they're in a scenario where they're forced to utilize it right so in the case of a monk your key points right so if they're in a situation like um you know where they are going to have to like they're attacking a really really large creature and they have to keep using their key points because they need to keep making multi attacks they have to be smarter about it because you know they may not they may have to come across another really challenging creature and so maybe they know that they can't use all of their key points so you just need to provide situations where it forces them to be more conscientious of their skills and their actual resources
1: yeah i think that um i think that while spellcasters definitely have this kind of resource management there are other classes that don't have this nearly as as uh intensely I'm thinking like rogues yeah. and fighters who mm-hmm. still have a fairly decent damage output without having to worry about how much of something that they spend today yeah with fighters you only get to do um um uh Oh, now I'm going to forget what the name of the skill is.
0: Don't do wrong by us, John. <laughs>
1: uh, where they can take the the second action. Um, yeah, the action surge yeah, or action yeah. action surge. Um, they can only do that so many times based upon the based upon the long and short rests and stuff like that. But they still have the ability to do a, a good amount of damage with their weapons and stuff like that. And yeah, no, that's true. While monks still have their weapons, the I, I feel like the majority of their damage is really using those key points, managing those key points and, and using mm-hmm. it at the appropriate time. So I think there's a, a bit more resource management there than some classes, a little bit less yeah. than others like the spellcasters, but it's kind of right in the middle.
0: No, I agree. And and there's multiple ways for you to like kind of force them into that scenario is, is, you know, one, like you were saying, like you have the, um you know, depending on like the types of encounters they come across, you know, is depending on how smart they need to be and how they utilize it. Mm-hmm. And then of course, how much availability you give for them to be able to take a long rest or a short rest. You know, maybe they're not in a scenario where it's like, "Oh, you know, I'll be able to take a a nice little 30-minute meditative rest here." Like, <laughs> you know, it's it's probably not going to work, you know, if you're like in a a place where you're trying to like run away from hordes of orcs or something like that. There's just no time for it, right?
1: Yeah, um, if it's really hostile area, you're going to have issues with that.
0: <laughs> exactly. And situations like that force them to rethink how they use the resources because they know that there's not going to be an opportunity anytime soon to be able to take those rests. So those are two different ways that you can sort of challenge your monks to be smarter maybe a little more strategic and how they utilize what they actually offer the group.
1: Yep. So. And then you can also uh, beyond that, uh, put them in a situation where they have to wear armor. And, and I, I I know that it seems like a weird thing to, make your characters do but you could have an environment that's just very caustic and there's like a special armor that has to be worn to 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 traverse it
0: yeah for sure i mean it's we're not trying to say we're like evil dms that want to immediately put your monk at a disadvantage but we might be slightly evil dms that want to put them at a disadvantage (laughs) but just because we want to challenge them you know and this is this is a great way of doing it
1: yeah, make them make them think a little bit differently about how they play their character. Give them the opportunity mm-hmm. to to come up with creative solutions. I mean, yep. if everything is all the same and they can use the same tactics every time, I mean, they're really not doing anything except saying exactly boop and slap. We're doing <laughs> <laughs>
0: we're doing this for your good, all right? We're doing it for you. Yeah. Um. So the other thing, you know, we were talking about, you know, encounters and and rests and and situations where they might be put at a bit of a disadvantage. Then, of course. You have just the type of enemies in and of themselves that they come across. Mm -hmm. Um, I have, at least for my particular monk, have found that a few scenarios um, where he was challenged as much as everyone else in the group, which is kind of what you want. You want everyone to kind of be challenged equally, right? Yep. Um, Anytime I've thrown uh, a flying creature at them, whether it be a dragon or um sturges or anything like that flying creatures tend to be really challenging for monks especially because they're one they're moving um and then two they're not particularly close i mean they're going to be 20 30 feet in the air um and that's particularly hard for a a class whose main focus tends to be um very close hand-to-hand combat it kind of forces them to have to rely on other skills
1: yeah, and I mean they still have the ability to use a, a bow or something like that. Uh, it's just sure. they don't have the ability to add in those additional unarmed strikes that that they exactly. get with martial arts or flurry of blows, things like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Which makes it particularly challenging for those that maybe fall into the habit of relying on those. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that can you know I think that presents a very unique challenge for um, for your monk class. Um, the other option you can have is um, you can have um, enemies with magical ranged attack because while the deflect missile is really great for non-magical um, weapons, I don't really think it says anything here about specifically magical ranged weapons. Is that right?
1: It did not from what I read, no.
0: Not what I read, yeah. So my my interpretation of that is that you could try a, you know, a magical ranged attack, and that's something that um, they're going to be just as much susceptible to as the rest of the group. They can't just deflect it, you know? So it'll force them to rely again on other skills in order to kind of you know um, overcome and persevere that particular encounter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: And really, having that that um, those tiers of uh, of attackers for your party in general is is really kind of good encounter design where you've got people that are that are melee attacks that are kind of providing that wall against the the people that do range attacks whether it's spell mm-hmm. or archers or anything like that and yeah. gives gives kind of a balance to that encounter anyway so it's just mm-hmm. i feel like good encounter designed to have that mix
0: for sure and i mean we're not saying like every encounter needs to be like this it's just mm-hmm. it's nice to throw it in there occasionally you know just to kind of i don't know shake it up a bit shake things yep. up um, one of my favorite creatures to provide, and for a number of reasons, I like this creature for like almost honestly any class <laughs> but um is like creatures with necrotic damage, so you know you know if you touch it it's acid damage or you know it does some sort of you know damage to your player if they get near it, and you know the black pudding is obviously my very, very favorite one. ochre jellies and puddings are just like my one of my favorite creatures to offer <laughs> but black pudding specifically because. Um, unless you're hitting it with a magical item, um, like with a magical weapon, if you're hitting it with a regular weapon or if you're hitting it with your hands, it's going to do, um, do damage to them. Yep. So it's like, yeah, you could potentially hit it, but you're going to take damage yourself. And again, for a monk, yes, they have weapons, um, but chances are they're wielding non-magical weapons and they also only use their hands. So they're going to take as much as they give. And that's, for me, a, a nice little unique challenge to provide for monks
1: and uh kind of in a similar vein is is leveraging creatures that have uh immunities or resistances the the thing that got me down this path was thinking about those uh those that are kind of immune to non-magical attacks Mm -hmm. uh, because your your fists are typically not considered magical now with pathfinder when you get your key pool you can make a, uh, make a key strike and, and uh, it allows those unarmed attacks to be treated as, as magic weapons for um, hitting and overcoming damage resistance. but mm-hmm. it, it doesn't it, it's not doing magical damage, so to speak. Um, yeah, but additionally, creatures that may be resistant to their stun uh, or, or have a high constitution that would make it more difficult to, to do that stunning blow on them, for instance yeah giants Uh, is actually one that fits that that to a bill
0: uh yeah and i and that was something i haven't presented my players yet i just happened to uh you know i was kind of researching um you know other good uh enemies prefer you know this particular class that was one that did come up and it makes sense you know um just the size of them makes it so that it's like oh hold on is something tickling my foot i can't tell (laughs) Um, so, you know, I just, those scenarios I think would be a very, a very good one to throw, uh, to throw at your, at your monk. Now on, on the opposite side of that, um, you know, you can have creatures that are the same size or smaller, but if you present them in, in mass, if you will, like large hordes of something, Mm -hmm. uh, that can also challenge your monk as well because yeah, they can take them down with these multiple blows, but they're only doing one creature at a time. And if you've got a lot of them coming at you, it can make it difficult. So That's a fun challenge to present. I, like I said before, I love the Sturges.
1: So when (laughs) I was throwing
0: Sturges at you guys, not only were they coming in groups, but then they were also flying. And then if they happened to latch onto you, then they were taking hit points away from you from each turn. uh, So you'd have to utilize an action to try and detach them. So for multiple reasons, it was presented as a challenge for all my different classes, monk included.
1: Yep. Well, and, and those large hordes goes back to that, that uh, resource management. Uh, do I yes. use my key points to try and knock down this enemy? If I know that there's mm-hmm. eight, eight more that are bearing down on me, where does it really make sense to to leverage the, the resources that I have?
0: Exactly. And I think presenting scenarios where your players really have to think versus just mindlessly attacking, like, okay, I'm doing this again. I'm doing flurry of blows again. I'm doing this again. Like, it's just, like, on autopilot. And that's the last thing you want for your players is to, like, just kind of fall into that you know that routine that once say complacency but you know it's just you you want to kind of like make sure that they're engaged mm-hmm. you know with each encounter and and things like that where it forces them to think and strategize those are the types of encounters that you want to present to your monk yep and then i think along the similar lines is just those uh creatures that regenerate mm-hmm. um or don't traditionally you know um just take hit points and die. Like the ochre jellies is, is a great example for that too because once, you know, let's say you do like a slashing damage, so you have a short sword and you slash at them, well, then they just split into two. And now you have two ochre jellies. Yep. So, you know, or zombies, a perfect example of a regenerating creature. Maybe he used his entire turn to like kill this one zombie and it's dead, but oh, guess what? It just regenerated and he's just used all of his actions. Mm-hmm. So those ones I think are are good examples of enemies that, can present challenges to your monk and i'm sure there's like a plethora of other enemies out there but um that's kind of all that comes to mind for me
1: anyways yep and uh and uh if we dealt with all those enemies we'd have a five-hour episode
0: (laughs) (laughs) and i'm not i'm not up for that you know i didn't have like i only had one cup of coffee john so (laughs) yeah yeah
1: all right. Well, I think that is all that we needed to talk about, uh, about monks. Uh, thank you for joining yes. us for the show. Just a reminder, if you'd like to, uh, to, to see if, uh, if you uh, are, have what it takes to, to be a co-host on the show, uh, go to becomingdm.com slash host hmm. and uh, put your name in the hat. We'll see what happens.
0: I believe in you guys.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, well, uh, I guess until next time, stay nerdy, friends. Stay nerdy, friends. Thanks for joining us again. As always, it really helps when you share the show with friends to help increase our listenership. Send them to our website becomingdm.com or Facebook. We are facebook.com/becomingdm, and on Twitter, we're at becomingdm. Becomingdm is produced by John Welsh and Felicia Martinez. The show is edited by John Welsh. We'll be back in two weeks. See you then.